Hello, everyone. This is Rashmi, your host in your favorite podcast. I hopefully, you know, favorite podcast, uh, Chain Traffic by Pennsylvania Pistons Community. We are on our journey of making the life of people in the domain much easier, and which is why we bring in guests from different expertise and areas. Today is a special episode. Uh, in fact, this is dedicated to all the international students who are studying particularly in the UK because that's a focus area. And as a student of PhD student of Cranfield University myself, I'm super happy to have somebody from Cranfield. So welcome to the podcast, Rishi. I'm so glad you can make time to be here. Hi, hi, Rashmi. Thanks for inviting me. Uh... And yeah, likewise, it's nice to meet a person from Cranfield, actually. Yes, the whole point. So if you're trying to figure out what is it that we're going to have a conversation about today. So with a lot of international students in the UK this year, it's very difficult to, you know, know where to start from when it comes to navigating your career. When I say navigating your career, you know, the final end product is which job should you pick up for yourself? How do you find yourself a job? What are the processes? What exactly needs to be done? When to start? So all those questions that you might have, all those apprehensions. We have somebody here who has recently done it and successful at it. He'll be speaking. So uh, Rishi, are you excited to have that conversation? We would love to hear from you and your experience and all the efforts that you have put in. Yeah, yeah I'm very excited to speak about it. Perfect. Amazing. Advice. All right. So let's just get started. You know, people don't want to hear from me. They want to hear from you. Let's get started. We're trying to understand what is it that you're doing today? What you studied in the UK and how exactly it connected. So let's just get started with that. Uh, so right now I work as an operations engineer in uh, Land Rover. And so my work is uh, more about creating digital twins for manufacturing systems which companies these days I have seen that they are quite interested in with, you know, the focus on sustainability and having limited resources where you can't really uh, go around wasting resources and figure out that, okay, this plan wasn't efficient enough because there's carbon emissions we've got to keep in check and these other things where, uh, where the course that we studied, I believe you studied as well, Rashmi, the engineering and management of manufacturing systems quite comes into play. And for me, that was kind of a stepping stone into this area, into operations, whereas because I came from a mechanical background, I did my bachelor's in mechanical engineering in India. So the studies I did was a lot more technical, and a lot more focused. It was a more detailed view of systems rather than like having an overview of it, seeing it from a top view. But this course at Cranfield was kind of a mix between uh, management and technical studies, whereas we got taught stuff like... Uh, you understand why a product is being made, what are the thoughts and data which goes into deciding why I should be introducing a product to the market, what are the features I should look at, and then based on the data and the information we get back from the main people, that's the customers and the people who are going to be using it, how do you then decide, uh, okay, then how do I go about making it? Then, then comes the logistics and supply chain part of it after you have made the product. So kind of all of these things together went into making operations as a whole and that interested me a lot. And then they taught us management stuff as well, whereas as to how you present case studies, how you go about assessing information in a real life scenario. And those are things I felt were really helpful rather than more than the textbook as well. Because when you come to a 
kind of when you start working and the way you have to give the information to people it's not the same as how you present results when you're studying in uni so that was a that was a nice thing that Cranfield taught us mm, but yeah that's a basic overview of what I'm doing right now that, that's kind of exciting so to me it's like you know when you said oh this is what I've done this is what I've studied I'm like yeah yeah that's what goes into it that's pretty much it and I'm pretty sure that the foundation that was set uh, during the curriculum has prepped you up for it uh, but I do want to like start asking questions when students ask questions uh how exactly did the process of job search started firstly uh so you talked about a curriculum particularly ems here manufacturing systems engineering and management uh i want to understand how did you shortlist this role first of all you know uh why this role or did you have other roles in mind you know so the selection of roles how did that happen and then we'll kind of get into the process of how to go about it. So I, I get a lot of the uh, similar questions on LinkedIn as well as to like, uh, tell me, tell me how you do, like what kind of questions they asked you for this role or what kind of helps you get this role. But then there's one thing I would like to tell everyone as well, like rather than uh, trying to find the kind of the job role that what pays well or what kind of job role that this course gets you, it's better to focus on which is the area of operations that you want to look into or that you want to do in the future. Like I was telling you, it's huge operations, it involves logistics, supply chain, manufacturing, the planning part of it. So all of these things. So it's not just saying that, okay, if I do manufacturing and I learn these courses, then I'm sure that I can get these, these X, Y, and Z jobs. It's rather than you figure out that because operations is so huge, once you figure out Okay, this is the area that I see that I have a knack for. I have not not skill sets because that takes time to develop, but then at least I have the aptitude for. It. And then you kind of do a basic search on LinkedIn, see what kind of positions are available which need those skills or need those requirements or are working in those areas. So there are roles within operations which are focused completely on procuring the materials that are going to be needed for manufacturing. Then there are roles which look into kind of designing the processes as well. Then there are a few roles like mine which look into creating digital twins. Uh, then, I mean, there are a lot of roles if you, keep, uh, if, you, if you want to make a complete list of it. But for me, the process was, I was quite short, not even at the beginning, somewhat during the middle of my course when I was doing my group design project, I was doing my group project, I was quite sure that yes, this is the area that I'm quite curious about and I want to learn more about. And then I started looking at more roles in that area. But then, of course, I didn't keep that narrow view because it's hard to get a job if you keep the white uh, search that narrow. But I kept that as my main focus and then kept on applying for jobs around it because in my mind, it was that even if I can make it into a certain area of operations and I really have the aptitude for a particular area, I can somehow make my way throughout the uh, like within the company to that area if I want to in the future as well. Because I came from India without any experience. I did my bachelor's and directly came for my master's. So I had that little bit of a fear that, okay, is it easier for people who have experience or is it harder because I don't have experience? So my first aim was to get a job within this field, within operations and manufacturing, where at least when I'm going for a next job that I want, at least I can say that, I have relevant experience in this area and I can leverage the, the kind of understanding I had from the previous job into something that I'm going to do with my current job. So that's, that's where that kind of came into place. But 
for me, I had started a bit late. I had started towards the end of my master's to search for jobs. Uh, but then it would be wiser to start kind of looking at jobs when you're somewhat between uh, like six months into your master's so that even though you're not getting selected and going through the uh, last process, at least when you do a few sessions or you do a few rounds and you go through the whole process, you get a feel of how it is because it is kind of time consuming in the beginning. But when you get used to it, filling in applications becomes like a, like you can do it with your eyes closed and you know the next steps. And then you kind of get the confidence as well of speaking during interviews, speaking to people, you know, the kind of questions that they're expecting as well. And kind of giving interviews help me understand what kind of questions they're expecting. And uh, that kind of helped me tune the way I was going to answer them. And I kept that similar for most of my interviews that I did after that. So I hear a lot of things there. So let me try to summarize it for the benefit of my listeners here. So the very first thing uh, that you talked about is having clarity or like sort of clarity that which area you're going to pick up. And I think that goes regardless of the curriculum that you are in. You could be in any course, but you should know what kind of roles are actually out there. But instead of checking the you know, what roles pays better, you want us to look at things from a perspective, which place do you have a knack for and I think that makes a lot of sense that's been my uh, mantra as well no matter where I am what degree I'm doing so that's the first step and the very second step you talked about is then not narrowing the research made of your uh, job search focusing on those roles but keep on applying in others as well meanwhile and uh, you answered a golden question uh, without me even asking it like people uh, generally don't know where to start and they're so confused when they're not experienced whether or not they'll get the jobs or not so we'll kind of build up a little more on that so you said that you came from like uh you didn't have any experience prior to this so for you it mattered that you get into the correct role and they may be build up towards that in the industry there are a lot of students here particularly in crime field in this curriculum Year that you know that do not have much experience and they don't know where to start so I want to understand do they hit the graduate roles in the UK because there are quite a few of those or they look at you know jobs or you know just starting positions just like that so how how do we answer that uh, you know get clarity on that part I was talking to a friend about this thing the other day like the difference between an entry-level role and a graduate role because I'm in a graduate program right now but I have a friend in Rolls-Royce who's doing an entry-level role and we were kind of discussing about the differences. Uh, so what, what, we, what we felt was it's better if someone is still figure, in the process of figuring out the specifics of the area that they want to work in. It's a bit easier if you're in a graduate program because you do have the opportunity from the company to move around for six months or three months, depending upon the flexibility in different areas. To kind of see, okay, I, I don't know what kind of work is done in this area, but I do have an understanding that I want to work in this area. So I'm doing placements in different teams to see, okay, I what kind of work is better suited for me, what kind of work I want to do or what area interests me. Because for me, within uh, I'm an operations graduate and manufacturing graduate, but we have so many teams. Like we have powertrain, we have design teams. But then for me, I knew that, AutoCAD and those kind of technical things, very uh, focused technical things are not my areas of interest. So during my interview itself, I was quite spared. I was, I told them that if I do get this role, I would want to work in simulations team because that's an area that I want to 
look into and develop my career in the future as well. And luckily, because they had openings there and they were doing work on simulations, they put me into that team. So in that way, graduate programs are good if you want to just go into a company and understand the industry. Uh, but in even in that, it's not like you can just tell them, yeah, uh, I don't have any experience. That's fine with them. They don't care much about experiences. They can, as long as they can see that you have the aptitude to kind of go and learn it. So you're a person who is interested in it and you don't have to be told, okay, go do this. You want to, you go and ask, okay, then for this, what should I do? Just whenever you're free, let me know what I should do in this. So they just kind of look for this attitude as well. Because uh, I had this professor who had told me like, uh, it's easier to teach a skill rather than teach behavior. So it's when someone has the correct attitude, it's easier for the company to give them the right skill rather than develop the correct attitude, If you even if you have the right skill for it. So that's one thing that was there. And uh, if you talk about entry-level roles, so like I was saying, for people who maybe have experience or those who are very sure about the, the exact thing that they want to go to, entry-level roles are good for them. But in terms of sponsorship, uh, if a company is generally giving you a sponsorship for graduate program, they'll give you for an a normal entry level a direct role as well but it's just that difference where you don't get the flexibility to move around in the beginning versus the flexibility that you get uh, with the graduate program and there's a little bit of difference in the pay scale as well but in the long run that doesn't matter much yeah yeah again a couple of things that i think we should definitely summarize here so uh graduate program and early career program or you know the early entry jobs whatever you mm -hmm. want to call them uh like you said if you do not have much clarity or you are a little more you know exploring in the nature at the beginning of your career graduate programs is the way to go if you do have a certain level of clarity then maybe hit an entry level position so that's what I hear and uh, you also talked about the flexibility of moving and I think that graduate programs have those and entry level you'll be in a role and you kind of have to stick to that uh, definitely there'll be difference in the pay scale but then again I'm also like uh, this thing in long term, none of that matters as long as you kickstart your career and get the experience in. So that makes a lot of sense. Definitely. All right. So that's there. But you, I do want to reiterate what you said about uh, still having some sort of direction, even if you're hitting in the graduate program. Because, you know, uh, they want people who are willing and you need to be at least behaviorally mature to work in an organization like yeah. The professor said, pretty sure we would have, you know, had the prof same professor, but uh, skill sets can be taught, but behavior cannot be. So thank you for mentioning that, because that's one thing that I observe and I feel like that needs to change. People need to have a little bit more, um, I'd say, not even knack, a little more desire <laughs> to work towards their career and navigate it, you know, a little better. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that kind of covers up some aspects that I did want to discuss. The other aspect that I did wanted to touch upon was around, you know, when do you exactly start applying? I know you spoke about it, that six months into it, you need to be at it. But for somebody, let's just say somebody could not manage time, you know, during the curriculum. And they have now, you know, probably reached the end of their degree and finished their thesis as a part of the curriculum. Uh, how long you know do you think or how much effort does it take for them to find their jobs and what are the approaches that can be used rather than just simple applications what are different ways how do we leverage tools like LinkedIn referrals from alumni 
what do you think let's just get into those techniques now yeah yeah i i guess it's not not actually too late even if you start applying at the end of your masters because right now you have the two year psw as well where you can actually stay for two years and then search for a job or do any other work in the meantime because right after i moved i uh, graduated from cranfield i was doing part time for a few months and then i was working as a contractor for a year in london before i kind of switched to this graduate program so you do have enough time to look for jobs and look for work that's not that not that's not really much of an issue the bigger thing it's not really a challenge as to like if you have to do extra work compared to if you start applying early it's it's just that fact of there are these openings that graduate programs have and roles have so it's 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 better to keep an eye out for those the one thing uh, i would say is like maybe look into career fairs as well not all of them like cranfield hosts a few of them there are other ones which keep happening around london birmingham manchester as well so at least you go and have like it's not like when you go to a career fair you'll get a job directly but at least you create a contact there or when you are submitting in your application you can mention on the cover letter that i spoke to so and so person at your company and we spoke about this and i was quite interested in this role after speaking to him and some sending in the application so kind of trying to create a personal touch making them relate to you in some way like knowing that okay this person is actively reaching out or because i believe companies see the similar answer, similar answers on a day to day basis every day and they kind of get the same responses where everyone is saying that they want to join a particular company and is the best company how if they get the role they can do everything for the company but they kind of want they just want to see a person where, where that person is putting in that like 0.1% extra effort into going for this role or going for that job uh, and in terms of networking uh, the, there are career services generally because uh, i i can speak more about cranfield cranfield generally has career services which help out but other unis have their own career network as well and if you speak about uh, linkedin network so i maybe haven't leveraged linkedin as much as i should have but linkedin does have a host of i guess the certification courses that linkedin has actually help a lot because people generally do a lot of these certification courses and companies do look for employees who are either certified or they're working towards some sort of certification maybe it's a cips in supply chain or if it or if it's a chartered engineer in if you're an operations or a mechanical engineer but they don't expect you to do it but maybe they expect that okay if this person is interested in it maybe we can develop that in the future as well and for our field there is this focus on people being interested in six sigma and lean as well where industries are very interested in agile so because these are not that technically driven as well for people who are interested in operations and supply chain it would be kind of worthwhile for them to look into some Uh, six sigma or lean courses on linkedin and just get one of those certificates and other than that keep like being active on linkedin uh, constantly looking at uh, so what i used to do on linkedin mainly was kind of look at the different job roles which i were applying for and kind of see all the responsibilities and skills they are asking for so then i used to take my cv and see what i have written on it what my skills are and then what are these kind of skills they are asking for so either it's trying to make tune the language to make it sound like yeah i can do these things as well or if there is a very kind of big knowledge gap which i don't need to fill in completely but i need to at least fill in the basics to crack an interview i kind of look into those areas whether it be reading some book or looking at some videos on youtube to get an idea about that 
or do a course. So it's kind of those things where I try to show the company that these are your responsibilities, even though I might not have the experience to handle all of them. I have the, the knowledge and I have the, the inclination and some of the skills that I have from my previous work, which I can leverage into this to help in, help in this work. For example, like if you're a logistics coordinator who wants to get into risk assessment of supply chain, which is a big shift, but you can leverage it by saying like, because I was a logistics coordinator and I have faced these issues, which happens with careers on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm at a better position to understand certain risks which happen in the supply chain. So when I'm doing risk analysis, it gives me an edge over certain people in terms of the practicalities of it, the experiences, the lead time, or I know what's an easier way to solve an issue which you might not learn directly from a book. So it's just these things will make, just make it sound like you have what they need and use the skills that you have to leverage what you can get out of it. Yeah, I think that's very, very practical because what I see is that I'll start with the last point that we were just discussing. I see students, they make the CV at the beginning of this thing, beginning of their curriculum, and then they get it vetted from the career services, which is all right. But then after that, uh, they send the same CV and cover letter to every job. And it's like a, like a LinkedIn easy apply. So it's like, just I'd say cheap thrills, you know, that's not how it works. Um, so like you said, there has to be some correlation between the position that you're applying for and how relevant is your work experience? And even if it's not a direct correlation, you can, there's always learnings, like you just mentioned, you know, it could be somewhere similar. What did you learn there that you can leverage in this role? That needs to be mentioned. And I think that is key. Uh, I personally, when I was younger, much younger in my career, I used to make that mistake and get rejections. And then after that, somebody from the industry told me that this is how you need to let, you know, show the recruiters that you are actually worth putting their time and efforts into even to get you to the whole process of interviewing. So that makes a lot of sense there. Uh, modifying the CV and the cover letters, looking at the positions and how your experience kind of gets in there. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for sharing that because that's highly practical. As far as networking, you said, so what I see is looking at not just career fairs at Cramfield, local career fairs, but beyond that in different cities that are going on. And uh, you said making a connection, a personal connect there, and then leveraging that while you're in your, you know, writing an email or your cover letter for that matter. I totally agree to that. That is how I have bagged my jobs in the past as well. Uh, you talked about LinkedIn as well. Uh, <clears throat> LinkedIn is something that I have used very, you know, prominently. So when I did finish my uh, master's, I was... Uh, we were at that time when COVID had literally just shot up. So that was like March, 2020. So uh, we had to go back to the country or find jobs here. Uh, and at that point, LinkedIn helped me find a job. But like you said, it takes time. And there's a need for a lot of patience. You need to nurture the relationship, let it build, simmer over time. And then only then you'd get it. So um, I do want to point out to the listeners that at that point, I first had an interaction with one person from a company. She was the founder of that supply chain consulting company. I used to have mentor calls with her. She said, you'd be perfect for my company, but I don't have projects at this point. So I waited another three months. Meanwhile, built another relationship with somebody who was working there and continued building my LinkedIn profile such that, you know, my personal brand on LinkedIn is amongst the people in the field that I want to be in supply chain in my case. And here's what happened. So that lady that I first met, my first job after my master's was with her. 
Then the second lady that had built a relationship over in the last one year where was where I worked a year after that. And then finally, <laughs> even now, uh, you know, with the part-time work and everything, uh, I got it through a panel discussion on LinkedIn. So the power of LinkedIn is immense, but then again, it takes time for fruition. One needs to be patient for that. So uh, I hope that was uh, helpful for uh, people listening. Um, so did she I add I kind of do, uh, yeah, sorry. I kind of do agree to that. Like connections you built in your professional life and the net networking is really important, whether it be face-to-face -face networking or it be through LinkedIn, because these connections and networks that you built kind of help you in the long run later on, even though you don't realize it today. Uh, like in my previous company, so the work I used to do was a lot with the government and the military. And mm -hmm. so there were a lot of people who were, also related to Cranfield because they were in Cranfield there's a lot of research into the defense sector and aerospace as well. Uh, so I met a few alumni from Cranfield there and mm -hmm. I just went and approached them to just talk to them, telling them like, hey, I'm from Cranfield as well. Mm -hmm. uh, give me a shout if you ever wanna, if you need anything or can I give you a shout if I want to ask something related to this area, if they knew about it and then kind of talking to different people across the company based on the projects I was working on. And then just going and at the end of the day, going and adding them on LinkedIn, just so that, you know, they know that, okay, this is that person. And maybe when I post updates, they see it on their feed as well. And time to time you say hi, you say bye, and you build that rapport. And even now I have a few colleagues from the last company that I kind of once in a month or once in two ups, I meet up with and we talk about, um, okay, keep up, keep a position open in your company when I want to shift. You see, you see, that's what I'm talking about, particularly. So the combination of the LinkedIn net combination of LinkedIn as a tool, networking as a uh, you know, technique, and then again having alumni networks to leverage. If you have all three of that individually and also like a combination of that, you need to leverage. And I think you gave a perfect example in a very crisp manner. So thank you so much for being very open and sharing that with us. I think this was pretty um, I think this was pretty, I'd say short crisp and very insightful for my listeners for sure but i just want to like ask you one question Rishi. any advice you want to give to uh, a lot of my own friends and very close people who are currently applying for jobs it gives me um i get a little scared when i look at them that okay because uh how is it going to be you have finished your degree and they might be a little i mean the nerves are a little crazy so any advice final word you want to give to them I think my main advice would be to like the starting advice for everyone would be because based on a lot of questions I get as well is to start asking the right questions. I know it is, it is nervous. It is, it is a hard time for everyone and it is nerve wracking and everyone feels like it will be easier if someone tells me what I need to do to get a job because the fees are expensive. Some people might have educational loans that they're thinking about or want to pay back. But it's rather than what can I do to get the job? You ask pe people are more interested in helping you if you go and ask them that this is where I want to be. This is where I'm at. What can I do to close this gap? Give me some suggestions or advices on what I can do to kind of reach that stage or give me a starting, give, give me any place where I can start from. And then I'll figure it out on my own. If I kind of hear any, uh, if I hit any roadblocks, then I come, come I'll ask you or ask anyone. And generally, professors are quite helpful as well, and they're always keen on helping students. So you can always go back and ask them. And even even though they might seem a little scary during lectures sometimes, but they, they always want students to do well. 
Yes. Special love for professors. I've had like a bounty full of amazing professors. And yes, you're right. Might seem a little daunting and distant during while they are teaching because that's their teaching style. But after the class, you know, they are actually fabulous and they can definitely help. So uh, this is really helpful, uh, my friend. And I hope uh, you and I together have created something that can quickly help the students around here. Um, is there any, if, and I think if anyone asks you that question, because I get asked this question a lot, which is what triggered me to kind of air this special episode on my podcast we can always send the link to this podcast and be like here are all your questions answered if you have anything more than that then tell me so uh, thank you rishi for your time especially on a weekend i really appreciate this and i hope we have been able to help students yeah i hope so too thanks Rashmi, for inviting me Fantastic. Amazing. So uh, that's this uh, in this episode, you guys, if you always have any follow up questions, I will open the poll on Spotify for this particular uh, episode. I'll also put an option for you to post your question. Teacher on uh, asking questions on your podcast. I do think that Rishi needs to answer. I would redirect it to them. But till then, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much.